Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is Megan Wiggins. Thank you so much for being here and doing an in-person podcast because we have vaccines and we can now start doing these things in person, and it's great. So. Yes, it's <laughs> honestly this is the first thing I've done in like almost two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, same. <laughs> it's been a minute. Plus, I was in like Canada for half a year, so that like. Time went by really fast when yeah. I did that. So we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, but first, who are you? What do you do? Um, wow. <laughs> um, well, I was in a band called Mio Mai, so I, you could say I'm still in that band because I plan on continuing it and branding yeah. under Mio Mai still. But I mean, feminist activist, BIPOC um, ally, um, I definitely queer. <laughs> and uh, I like to speak up for people that usually can't for themselves or don't have a platform to do it or simply are oppressed and silented. So I also uh, like to have fun <laughs> and dance. And I like to cook sometimes, but I really have a lot of love for farm handing. So that's currently what I've been doing is I've been working on farms and just yeah. trying to find internships out of state honestly and just growing stuff yeah <laughs> it's trying to stick back to the basics man that's what keeps me sane these days sure which of these things do you consider to be like the thing that defines you i guess wow <laughs> the main thing that defines me um i feel like out of all of these things um, it comes with a, usually a big voice or a big message. Um, but the baseline of all of it is like genuine love is what I like to define it as. Um, and not in a way of this like spiritual bypassing sense of like, mm -hmm. oh, forget it all. Like we're all one no matter what. Like mm -hmm. we just we're just all in one more like we genuinely do have to love each other and see each other's differences mm -hmm. and love each other in our differences and recognize those differences and realize that we all don't have the same opportunity without recognizing those differences. We can't evolve. So anyways, back to the base question, love. I mean, that's in farming and everything that I do. Most conversations that I have, I'm not going to say I always preach in love because I definitely have some moments where I'm not love in itself and genuine. But um, for the most part, what I like to do is spread that love in different ways. And sometimes that requires a little bit of feminist, radical, hairy magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. So I guess I'll pick one of the things and we'll ask about them. Okay. Uh, music. How did you first get started in music? Yeah. So with music, what I first started doing was we actually talked about this a little bit, but, um, I started off playing the mandolin and I just picked up a, gar a guitar. My brother was a guitarist before I was, and it was just laying around. And I was like, man, that'd be fun to like play that rather than have my brother always play for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the guitar is like a very gendered bass music, <laughs> uh, instrument still. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like, man, I'll just be cool to conquer this which I still haven't <laughs> by the way I'm trying my best but I just uh started picking up the guitar and playing like really simple chords and starting off opening for like metal and rock bands and I did that for about two years until I was like man I don't know if I'm that good at guitar I really want to get a full band because I also really like being a performer above mm -hmm. it all rather than just being an instrumentalist or lyricist I just yeah. love performing entertaining to whatever extent that I can and connecting with people on like raw energy levels yeah. and you just can't get that over an audio clip you know I mean you can you mm -hmm. can you can try to feel it as much as you can but to feel that person's vibration in the same room is just so different yeah. so performing is something that I definitely took to where I do still play the guitar and try to write my own songs and stuff and collab with other people but mainly I just like to perform. So that's what led me to like me, oh my, and having this like alternative rock band. And yeah, that's how I started out was just opening up for metal bands, yeah. which is really funny. But honestly, they shouldn't allowed me to play as much as I did because I was not that good. But what they knew is that I had a lot of uh, umph. <laughs> they were like, man, she really believes in herself. Like this girl's got something. So that's how I came to be, I guess. Sometimes that <laughs> speaks more for itself than like oh man this guy's really good but like I'm very bored watching them so <laughs> yeah so I mean if, if you can 
fake it till you make it, I guess, is, is yeah, sort of no, that's the big thing. definitely what I did because, <laughs> you know, I told you I played the mandolin, but I was, like, not a good mandolist. <laughs> like, even though that was my first instrument, like, someone should have taken it out of my hands. Like, <laughs> it was not amazing. But I definitely did believe in what I was writing, and it was very, like, sad, depressing stuff in high school. Yeah, <laughs> what I everyone does. Yeah, and it was just very, like, talk yellish, singish, but, like, oh, I'm sad and, like, life sucks. And I was just like, yeah, I'm so angsty. And then over time, I was like, but I actually really like singing classically, too. And I have a good voice from like what people tell me. So I was like, I'd like to lo- I'd like to use that rather than just like being angsty and mad, which is fine. Like, hold on to that energy. Like, don't let that go. Don't be bitter is what I've been told. But anger is fine to feel because um, bitterness can like eat away at you. So I tried to hold on to that anger, but just kind of mutate it in different ways that were easier to consume. (laughs) So to like the public and like make it enjoyable for the audience and not entirely uncomfortable. Not saying I made people uncomfortable, but it's like, you know, being an angsty little teen writing sad songs. Like you talk about some stuff that not everyone wants to hear. And if you flatline it with that, it can just get a bit mundane or you know rub you raw a little bit so yeah I grew up (laughs) let's just say that yeah (laughs) yeah so how did that transition into me oh my is me oh my all your angsty music or does it actually so I wouldn't yeah I mean with me oh my I definitely tried to be as vulnerable as possible anytime that I played um I didn't speak out nearly as much on issues that I would now if I had that kind of platform mainly because when I was in me oh my um I was told a lot to contain myself um to like stay within certain boundaries um to make myself presentable and really really digestible to the consumer um which I'm still, like, down to meet people where they're at, but to, like, entirely erase my identity and what I believe in morals platform and what I fight for, like, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Um, once I start doing shows, it'll be a lot different um, in a more radical stance and not just wanting to be, like, cookie cutter and just, like, sell myself out. I mean, I know that's, like, a very bu- big buzzword to say, mm-hmm. but... It's true. I mean, once a certain amount of money gets involved, people just kind of lose themselves, I feel like. Um, maybe that's a very narrow perspective to have, but it's been what's been proven to me in my circle or, or eco chamber, if you want to call it that. <laughs> but yeah, me and my, we called it like alternative grass rock because I'm still country. Um, I have a country twang that I literally re- like I resilient, resilient. What was it? What's the word? I don't know. Um, I was resilient towards myself. Let's just say that with uh, my twang and everyone would always call me like Carrie Underwood and Miley Cyrus growing up and all these other Miley Cyrus, like Hannah Montana. I don't know. Country singers and like Taylor Swift. And I was like, I'm not a country singer. Like, I don't do country. But they were like, girl, like you have a twang. Like and when you sing, you have a twang. So I tried to integrate a twang into like country rock. alternative and that's like where the grassroots came from was for like blues and stuff and all that good stuff so me oh my turned in it just as I evolved the music evolved quite obviously in more literal words and um I just found myself in just being a performer and the freedom that that had to like be more of myself in a very healed way Mm. My other music was obviously in high school, so I was not healed at that point. I'm still healing. I'm not, like, the most healed person, but um, therapy's great. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Mio Mai definitely connected me. And also with, like, my creativity in Mio Mai was nice, like, how I got to make some music videos and, like, show colorful videos and promo videos and all that and, like, branding. It was fun to find myself in that. But, um, yeah, that's how it evolved is just... I grew up and I found myself and how to level my angst out with, you know, who I am just as a person in general and as an individual. So, yeah. Yeah. So then let's get into, I guess, farm stuff. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If if that's a a way of defining it. Uh, I guess, how did you get into that or have you always been having your hands in the dirt (laughs) yeah my mom has been a gardener so she's been a gardener since I was like very young we've always had a greenhouse not big don't imagine like a big hoop house or anything like that it's like a very like I'd say 15 by 30 foot 
greenhouse. Mm. And she puts majority succulents in there. Mm. <laughs> she loves her succulents. Um, but my, I would, if I started farming on an actual farm and like do all that, the whole thing, I would be a third generation. My great grandma Nellie was a farmer and mm. she was actually a profitable farmer. Um, she didn't do just gardening for herself, but she actually sold her vegetables. Um, but I was never taught by my grandma Nellie. Um, I was just, I've heard stories of her through my mom. Mm. Um, that's my great grandmother. I don't know if I said that, but, uh, I always had a green thumb because I helped my mom out in the garden and like we'd plant things, but I never had an actual knowledge of like how things came about. I just like, you just put it in the ground and then it grows, you know, but then you have to think about all the different things that comes with farming, which is like observing your atmosphere and like knowing which amendments each soil needs and how much water and all that. So what led me to this was, um, really, really funny because it was this karmic turn. I feel like that the world was going through with COVID and this mm. pandemic with seeing how fragile our system is yeah. and how we really don't have that good of an economy <laughs> and yeah. how it is mm-hmm. extremely fragile, as I said, with the market. Yeah. And, um, I was already wanting to woof, which I don't know if you know what woofing is. Mm-hmm. Okay. My manager, um, who I worked with, um, before I left for Canada in 2020, <laughs> yes, that year is just kind of like a yeah, blur because it, I was gone for half of it mm. and then so much happened and George Floyd, mm. that happened in 2020, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I was like, yes, I, I'm all aligned. My timeline is right. Um, but like four months before I was supposed to leave for Canada, before I even knew about the pandemic, I was already saving up money to leave, mm-hmm. but I was supposed to be woofing. So the manager that I worked for at Fuzzy's, he told me that he woofed in Australia for like a year and he like backpacked and lived on these farms. And it's a worldwide connection of organic farmers mm-hmm. is what it is. And what you do is you um, go and work on these farms and they pay you in a, in a, like food and shelter. So that's what I was initially doing. Mm -hmm. And I was only supposed to be there for two months. Yeah. And then I ended up being there for six months. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was already really, so going back, I'm saving up money, working 90 hours a week to go on this two month long trip. And I'm like, oh, it's going to change my life. I'm just ready to get in the soil and like learn about farming. And I was really about like mutual aid at the time, not nearly as much as I am now. Mm -hmm. I was very, very baby Megan. I'm still like middle, middle (laughs) Megan. (laughs) But at this time, like I didn't really understand what sovereignty meant, what apartheid countries meant. I didn't understand anything Mm -hmm. about global market really I didn't understand how trade worked I just knew that we exploited people and I didn't know where the root of it was at all Mm -hmm. um and where the problems actually I'm just like man everything's kind of messed up but like why you know like it's just like not really getting out of my circle and talking to people that aren't really like me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like people that are actually oppressed by poverty and stuff it's like where they're at and like how they've been facing these challenges that we did in the pandemic and how they've been facing it for years (laughs) um And, uh, so yeah, pushing back, saving up money and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go to this farm and I'm just going to learn a lot. I'm going to come back and I'm going to start farming. And like, that was my idea. Little did I know that like two months was not near enough time Mm -hmm. to like get the knowledge that I needed. And even in six months when I was like, so I was, I was booked with two Canadians, one German girl and, um, No, three Canadians and one German girl. Yeah, but one was Russian, actually, but she moved to Canada. She lived in Toronto, but she spoke, like, fluent Russian. Mm. So we had a lot of diverse backgrounds to go off in that farm. And we were literally quarantined together with our farmer, Tony, Mm. who's this, like, he uh, minored in, like, microeconomics and Mm. is, like, this really crazy radical farmer, but, like, just really wanted to do— and he was also a musician, Mm. and he just wanted to farm. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He believed that that's the way to, like, free the market and to like help people and get their power and he just had a lot to say about that and like informing me of all these ideas and that's what led me to mutual aid when I came back but it was such an interesting experience to be on lockdown with like four random people I've never met when we all were like on this radical agenda of like man the world really is turning and like we were isolated like this was like rural Toronto this isn't like in the middle city we're like 40 minutes to an hour away from the inner cities Mm. so it was very interesting and also terrifying (laughs) 
Because, you know, when I'm looking at social media, I see what my friends are going through. I see what my hometown's going through, what Oklahoma in general and what America's going through. And it was pretty, I want to say, like, I felt so powerless at points. And then I had to realize my stance and my privilege for I'm literally at this farm where nothing can touch me. And I was like, why am I kind of like in this way of like, man, I'm away from my friends, like away from everything. Like I am the most privileged person to be like on this farm. That's like 15 acres of organic produce, solar panel, like 600 watt solar panels that like charge the whole entire farm, like entirely off grid. And like I had my own like little micro cabin that was literally not even kidding, 13 by like six feet (laughs) like it was not big and it oven baked I will say that during the days so I did not have the privilege of I mean I could have turned on like an AC or something but I'm using power that I really don't need to but um yeah I just at any moment if if things crashed in Canada like we would be fine on that farm for at least a year to two years like we had more than enough food and water energy to like conserve us because they were also on a grid where they were getting paid because solar energy that they were getting to go back into the grid of other communities, like they were making more than enough power. So they were actually sustaining neighbor communities. <laughs> and it was just very mind boggling to like put all that together to be like, whoa, like I need to take a step back. Like I'm actually fine here. And like, I just need to send my love that way. But like, why am I freaking out? Like, what was me at points, you know, where I just like, I want to hug my mom. And like, that's understandable. But I was also in like a very good position. So coming out of that, I'm actually thankful that I got stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, I was supposed to originally go to Germany and my host before I left was like, Hey, don't come here. Like things are wild. It was literally a week before I was supposed to leave that the pandemic happened. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've already got all this money saved off. Like I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. I didn't really understand like, the extents as to where this pandemic was going to go. No one did. No one did. (laughs) Literally, people were giving me advice of, like, just go anyways. Like, go to Germany. Like, who cares? You're young. Like, and I was like, yeah, but at the same time, I don't feel really good. Like, what if I got the virus and I spread it to other people, like, not really understanding? Again, what the extents were that we're going to have to have this, like, national vaccine and all this crazy stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I went, I went to Canada. I literally, I'm going to be honest. I pulled some tarot cards at like four in the morning asking spirit, like what I should do. And they were like, well, it's going to be an adventure. And like the full came up and I'm a Sagittarius. I don't know if you know about the Zodiac, but (laughs) Sagittarius is known to be like a very big, broad philosopher that wants adventure. Like stereotypical Sagittarius is like spontaneous everywhere at once, pretty much like always on to the next big, big thing. So it's a very on brand Sagittarius Mm -hmm. thing of me to do be like, well, this tarot says I'm fine. So like, fuck it. like Let's go. And I already had the money (laughs) saved up. I already had my plane tick bought. I was flying out of New York already. And it was like $50 to Canada. So I took it. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to New York for like four days, went to Canada, traveled from the East Coast all the way to the West, went to Washington and then came back to Oklahoma. But I backpacked the whole time aside from flying. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. I guess what what's the like dummy farming stuff that you were like, oh, yeah, okay. that like now everyone who should know about plants should know these things or what's like the first thing that you got out of the way oh man the watering schedule like also just working with the weather like Mm -hmm. I didn't even put that together where I'm like man you all have farmers we've got water like why are you worried about when it's gonna rain and it's like well water is not endless like Mm -hmm. you understand what's happening right like states are already running out of water like we have to like collect as much rain as we can right now and also even then our rain barrels will get algae like there's things with mosquito nets you have to put in rain barrels and there's a lot of precautions you have to do with rain barrels if you're going to use rain water not from the rain but like from the way it can like solvate into the barrel just simple things like that where I'm like man farmers are literally scientists and like we as societies have always pinned the stigma on farmers that like they're dumb Mm -hmm. and that like they don't know what they're doing that if you don't have any other job to do go be a farmer Mm -hmm. like especially what I hear in Europe from my my roommate Yasmin who lived with me at the time she was like yeah literally everyone and she was a horticulture um 
major. So mm. she was actually like studying to be like a big commercial farmer. And uh, she was like, yeah, everyone in Germany always suspects like if your kid is going to be a farmer, like you didn't get an education and that you're dumb. And I'm like, no, like a lot of farmers are either servers, musicians or just simply like communist socialists <laughs> and like just ready to get out of the system. Mm. And I was like, man, these are my people. Yeah. Like every time I ran into a farmer, they were one of those three things. Like I'm not going to say every like there are conservative like <laughs> Farmers that are very big supporters of things I don't support on the right wing spectrum, but majority of them are really big people that just like want to get out of that like very individualistic mindset that like we work for what we've got and like we money, money, money and like we do this for money like no farmer is going to be doing that unless like you're a huge commercial farmer with like. 500 acres for money like majority of it's just to sustain themselves and to like just help people and feed yeah. people and like do what they love which is growing things yeah. <laughs> yeah so definitely watering schedule and like working with the weather was something where i was like wow like yeah. i never thought of that mm -hmm. <laughs> and then what's like the big like nitty-gritty like man this is so detailed that like I should get like a degree just because I know this thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've only been through one big season of farming. And I, I, other than that, like I've just done random farmhand stuff like Co Commonwealth Farms, uh, Rizuki Farms. I've tried to work with like circle culture, um, which they moved. They were they worked in an urban city farm, but now they're in um, Okima, which is sad. They're like an hour and a half away, but they started their own little farm. Anyways, amendments for the soil is something I'm not saying I need a degree for it, but it is important to know what all nutritions and amendments need to go in the soil in order to produce your vegetable. Because I know whenever I was younger, I was like, you just get soil and just put it in there and then that's it. And then you have to think of like, no, there's like nitrogen and phosphorus and like sulfates and stuff like that, that you need to like for each individual. And then you have to like mulch different vegetables, to like keep in the moisture and then some don't want mulch at all and it's just like the heating schedule and you think strawberries need all the heat that they can get and you're like oh my god no I couldn't put that there I'm gonna burn them to crisp and it's just but a degree man it would be cool to like get nitty-gritty with solar energy because yeah. if you've got that down and like know all that and like the microeconomic of farming production like marketing tactic that is where like you want to get someone on your team if you're trying to do a bigger farm with like yeah. a degree because marketing is something a lot of farmers don't want one have time for mm -hmm. and two just like don't have time to read, which is also they don't have time for it, like to read like the nitty gritty things of how to market things and how to produce things and run your production team and all that. Like farmers are like, I can barely even afford like a farmhand right now. Like you think I can sit down and look through things like um, grants to yeah. help farmers like they don't have time to fill out grants. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but like that would be something to get a nice degree in is like marketing and like to know how to write grants because mm -hmm. grants are very, very complicated. And that's another stigma is that a lot of people think that farmers are dumb. So like they don't know how to write grants, but it's like, no, they literally do not have the time of day yeah. to like sit down and sift through this. And like, it's not that they don't understand it. They just can't. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's uh, and I was kind of just using the word degree as just like things that are right, that right. require a lot of education for. Yes. But yeah. um, so I guess where where do you see yourself going with that? Yeah. So when I came back from Canada, all hyped up and like ready to go with this knowledge, I definitely had to humble myself as well. Cause I was like, I do not have the answers. <laughs> I am a very baby, radical feminist, mm -hmm. um, democratic socialist, anarcho-communist, <laughs> um, activist, and also very white. Um, and I had to just sit down and realize like, I still have a lot to learn. Mm. I wanted to start, what I started doing is I started farm handing at farms and asking them for the produce that they were going to throw away to just give to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized that a lot of the produce that was about to be thrown away was like things that people would not want to eat. Mm -hmm. And then I got really deep into mutual aid and what that meant, which is like charity. Mm -hmm. I mean, not charity. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sovereignty, not charity. Oh, okay, okay. And um, how the nonprofit system exploits trauma for impoverished people. And um, they 
pretty much benefit off the system of nonprofit organizations, which is what I wanted to work with Mm -hmm. coming out of Canada, because I was like, that's going to be the difference. You always hear about nonprofits, right? And like how they're doing such good things, which I'm not saying not all profits are bad, but a lot of them do exploit trauma for benefit of good. And also the point of like putting your name on everything to get that. That uh, recognition, and that's just not the point. Um, and it's also usually breadcrumbs that people just don't want. And I was about to be a part of that because I was this very, like, individualist mindset of, like, I can be the answer. That very, like, white savior complex mm-hmm. of, like, well, I'm going to bring up this idea that no one's thought of. Like, mm-hmm. no one's thought of going to farms and taking all of this stuff. And I, I remember making an Instagram, which I still have it, but it's called uh, – uh, Produce to the people mm-hmm. was going to be like the thing where I was going to be individually dropping off things like CSAs, but was going to be like produce that farmers were about to throw away. Mm-hmm. Um, and CSA is community shared agriculture. I don't know if you know about that. I don't. So community shared agriculture mm-hmm. is a system that a lot of farmers actually depend on these days. And it's just uh, pretty much a food produ- production system that people can sign up for. And then they directly support the farmer itself and they get the produce directly from the farmer. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good way to like know the farmer, know the food, know the soil and like have a direct relationship with food since we're so disconnected from it. Yeah. And I realized that that was a big thing that I was passionate about because I've always spoken, I've been vegetarian since I was 15 and I'm not, I don't look on anyone bad for like mm-hmm. eating meat. Like I believe in the circle of life and if people want to eat meat, power to you mm-hmm. but it's that same aspect of like not exploiting these markets um where like it's unhealthy for us and literally unhealthy for our bodies mm-hmm. to where like if we are eating like all these high gmos and all these things for like these fast food joints that we have to depend on due to like food deserts and yeah. stuff um like what is that going to do to our bodies and then i made that direct connection with like farming where i was like man like i can help this movement um, with food sovereignty and sustainability. And uh, then I met up with an organization which I'm currently working with called Uproot and Rising um, Indian Territory. It's actually a national organization, but you can implement it in different states and they're not a nonprofit. Um, They just kind of work within their own guidelines and they hold meetings and you can look them up on Instagram. It's called UNR. But ours specifically is Uproot and Rising Oklahoma and uh, Indian Territory is what it's called. And, um, well, sorry, UNR is Uproot and Rising. The Oklahoma chapter is Indian Territory. Mm-hmm. So you can look that up. But I got connected with my friend Melina. She was like, man, I see you posting on Facebook a lot about like food and like wanting to start like pretty much like food maps and food circles and how to get people with community gardens together (laughs) and farmers that are willing to like have me go on their farm. Because I do know if the farmers are hurting, but I wanted to go and help them with their farm labor for free to essentially get produce in return to give to communities and fridges and stuff. And the fridge concept was very new in my mind. I had no idea they even existed in Oklahoma yet. I was just like, where am I going to take these food? I guess I'll just like bag them up and drop them off on people's houses and doorsteps to ask for them. But even then it wouldn't have been that sustainable again. Like it was just a very small, like, again, like white savior complex of like, I'm going to individually take care of these communities when that's literally not going to be a thing. You're an individual. (laughs) I am me. And that is it. That is all I can really take care of. Um, I can give my capacity as much as I can, but I'm also going to like completely forget myself, which would be totally useless to the movement. Mm. And I would go insane. Um, so I met up with my friend Melina who was like, Hey, I think you'd be a good, cause they were working on a BIPOC based, um, proposal for their CSA program to sustain black farmers specifically in Oklahoma. And they would sustain them for at least a year for a season. And then they would take that produce in return and create a CSA program out of for uh, out of those vegetables from those farmers to low income families that signed up with this program that we were going to implement. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I just know that I was I was so close to something, but I forgot the root of what Mm -hmm. the answer to this, which is indigenous and BIPOC based organization. Mm -hmm. And I was like that's who I need to be talking to and getting these answers from on like how to fix things and how to fix the system because indigenous people have been doing this for years to sustain their communities. So now I'm working with them and we have fridges in Norman. We've got one in Northeast Oklahoma city. We only have one in Norman, by the way. And we work with OKC fridge sometimes in the Paseo. We've built fridges with them. They literally gave us a blueprint and we 
we built a little infrastructure so our fridge could like withstand weather and stuff like that. But that's what I've been working on with them. And hopefully I can connect with more farmers. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm actually renovating a trailer right now to internship on people's farms and help them on their farm and then help them connect with other organizations so we can get this whole food map and food network going here. And I'm not going to say single handedly like this is Mm -hmm. people that I've had this idea for years. Mm -hmm. I'm just helping further that message yeah. specifically Bridget Burns Kiki Miles they're the biggest ones with Uprooted and Rising um, Indian Territory in Oklahoma yeah yeah that's awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's see did you see yourself going in this direction ever do you think that like you know the the vision of who Megan was going to be whenever you first went to Canada <laughs> you know would be organizing community fridges. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing so hard because no, yeah. like I really thought I would just come back and like start farming on something and then just like give people food. Like that's just what it was in my head, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those, someone told me this, I think it's my friend Jen that said, you can do something by yourself and you can go really far or you can do something together and make a bigger impact in the long run. Like you can, I forget, I don't know, but you can pretty much tire out yourself really fast if you're just running 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 like I'm gonna get there and you can get there but like who's gonna be around you when you get to the finish line I'd rather be celebrating with other people and that's whenever mutual aid got me to the idea that it's literally about community Mm -hmm. there's no one that's so and that's the whole Americanized idea too of like individualism Mm -hmm. is like we're all stuck in these ideas that like we just need to take care of ourselves and go to our daily jobs and do what we can when we don't think about the latter as to what that affects above us and below us and then it's like oh well I guess networking and communicating with the community would be a good way to solve these issues because then we know how to directly solve them Mm -hmm. especially from people that have been oppressed by this for years and ages and centuries and like through colonialism and all that. Yeah. Individualism is very like Eurocentric mindset, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, and just how the white man came here and started pose imposing things. And so it's really good for my identity to like know where that stands. Um, and just for this movement in general to like identify with that is important and to just support <laughs> more than more than anything, just support and get those messages along further that this is not a whitewashed concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big fad, quote unquote, that's been happening right now with these fridges. But there's also been pantries happening for years that no one knew were there. Mm-hmm. Specifically, if I can look something up. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know Matthew Cornell, but uh, he was the first person to implement the little free pantry in um let me see yeah sorry not Matthew I don't know I said that Cornell Stirring Link Gallagher he um studied at Metro Technology Center was like he worked at First Presbyterian Church and he's worked in the medical field um he's from Kansas but he started this pantry called the little free pantry like years ago mm-hmm. and i just figured it out this year that it was there and he was like also offering free seats and stuff i'm supposed to go and meet up with him soon but it just goes to show that these aren't like white people concepts mm-hmm. um these are especially like okay so i do identify with our communism mm-hmm. but i also understand as much as we can owe to marxism and leninism i also understand that there's indigenous practices that were based before the Marxist uh, movement. Um, yeah, especially when you think of like the uh, African-American communists that it came about, like with the Black Panthers and Angela Davis and how Malcolm X was one. And yeah. we had this big like communist red scare when they were literally all about just like helping people yeah. and feeding people. Mm-hmm. And it's like this huge like anti-communist propaganda that happened that scared everyone from these socialist ideas that mm-hmm. were actually like really good for the community and just based in those practices. Yeah. Um, I kind of got off on a tangent. No, there. you're good. But um, yeah, I did not expect myself to be led to this extent. Does it surprise me? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I feel like every year I just kind of step it up one step further to see how far I can push that boundary of people's comfortability and also my own. Um, but honestly, I, I would like to live in a commune at one point, at least for a year, but I'm not trying to live in one forever because I do believe in 
evolution of community and not just like going away and stowing away in like the woods with like five people forever. Mm. I don't see that as sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would like to see the whole community just like be like, hey, let's get out of this capitalistic mindset and like, let's stop exploiting people for labor and stop exploiting other countries for their goods and like, let them profit off of what they have (laughs) and Mm -hmm. stop um, oppressing people in general. (laughs) It would just be really nice. But yeah, a big thing with the uh, farmer group that I, one of the farmer group, sorry, the uh, Upward and Rising um, Indian Territory group that I work with brought me to light with a lot of like the racial, um, biases towards black farmers in Oklahoma specifically with like the USDA in 99 um there was like a big lawsuit where the bank was denying so many loans toward black farmers specifically that they couldn't regenerate their land so a lot of black farmers lost their land or like they have it and they just couldn't even do anything with it Mm -hmm. and now now this year I think they're actually finding financial debt but it's still not nearly enough and the generational impact you can never you can never heal that Mm -hmm. as much as you can apologize or pay people off, um, you still messed up. (laughs) So that's definitely why it's very important to support BIPOC farmers in Oklahoma or just in general. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Local food is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. No, like I can tell that this is like a really powerful thing and like you really care about it. It's not just some like, ooh, yay, fad thing that I can get into and right. feel good. But yeah, like, which is good to feel good. Yeah. But it's like that extent of selfishness that we have to realize, like, how much does it feed your ego and how much does it actually feed people? <laughs> you know, like, it's that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing on this front before we get to, yeah. uh, I guess, two last questions. But what's something people don't normally know about you? What's something normally people don't know about me? Well... The one thing, the first thing that popped in my mind is that I can do this cool tongue trick. <laughs> oh, cool. You yeah, see yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it's like a clover. Audio podcast, there's, there's tongue trick. Yay, yeah, okay. it's, it's a clover. <laughs> a lot of people don't know about that about me. But what else do they not know about me <laughs> that's like actually good or like, um, let's think. Let's think here. Well, I did go to Rose State for um, environmental science, and I I originally was like, I'm going to save the earth and, like, be a pipeline activist pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was 18, and I dropped out after a year because I was like, oh, everything involves the oil field. And I just, yeah, I was going to Rose State, and it's like, it was nice to get a scholarship for two years. I should have honestly just changed my major. But I was, like, very anxious and um, very depressed, and I was like, this ain't for me, sis. And so I dropped out, but I originally wanted to be an environmental scientist and like work with waste management, but now I'm here. So I think either way it it tied through, it just got a lot more radicalized and grounded and based over time. Besides that, I'm trying to think. I mean, those, those are good things. Okay, cool. I was like, I don't know. Um, And then last one on this is, uh, what advice do you have for people that are wanting to get into farming yeah honestly just form. do it like yeah. <laughs> that's all i can tell you is that there's so many people that think they have lack of experience so they can't start it because it's that whole again like colonized idea of like whenever people want jobs they're like oh we don't have enough experience so you can't do it and you don't have this credit or this and that and it's just that idea of like man like we're all just humans here like trying to do our best like it's fine if you don't have that certificate like just sit down and start digging in the dirt like go buy some tomato plants and research what they need and like if you have the money go and do it and if you need support I mean reach out to me I can try to send you some money for soil like I will do what I can but it's really just that idea of like just go and do it like if you want to woof like I said literally look it up there's a program for it in every single country you'll have to pay different memberships in every one but you can woof for free and just like go on people's farms and help them with specific projects that they need or like if they just need help with literal like planting garlic for like two weeks and do it I would recommend if you are going to go that route to do two to three weeks at most I mean at most um if you can at least because the experience like I said even at six months I was like I wish I would have been here longer yeah because I didn't get what I wanted I mean I did get what I wanted it's just I was 
I was there where like I was starting to actually understand Mm -hmm. how farming went and how the days went and how my body was feeling. Like I was just getting an understanding and a grasp of everything and what the soil needs and what the name of everything is. And Mm -hmm. literally where are the tools at on the farm? Like every farm you go to is going to be so chaotic for the most part because it's going to be very disorganized. Mm -hmm. There's usually not someone being paid to organize the farm. Yeah, (laughs) There's (laughs) tools everywhere. But just go and do it. Like, that's what I just have to tell people is, like, if you want to start farming, just do it. Observe the areas of where your house gets the most shade and, like, the most sun and what plants would like that. And everything's on Google these days. Yeah. You can look it up. It's it's a great time out here, I promise. And I know bugs suck, but it's so worth it when you get to see the the whole fruits of your labor, literally. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) It's very rewarding. My house sucks for sunlight because it's, like... (laughs) We're, we're like parallel to the uh or not parallel perpendicular to the sun yeah and so it's like so it's like south facing is what you want yeah yeah so like every window like isn't getting enough sunlight because yeah. of like where we are but anyways <laughs> does that um, ever put a damper on you hmm? living in your house like seasonally or are you like oh i'm in a cave oh no i don't care oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like i i just you know uh, like whether or not the uh the sun is out i'm still staring at a screen right yeah <laughs> um okay getting into the deep questions now let's do it what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life the role man this has changed a lot within the last mm-hmm. two years i originally was baptist um and then i went to just straight up christian and then i went to secular <laughs> and then i went to almost atheist only because i was angsty not because i genuinely was atheist mm-hmm. i'm not agnostic either um but I did go to bhakti yoga for a while too, and I did practice Buddhism. Um, but I do. Oh, this is something people don't know about me: is that I practice paganism. Mm. So I do base a lot of my um, teachings and rituals and stuff in paganism. Yeah. I am Irish as well as German. Europe, <laughs> Europe, yeah. we love it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I do practice paganism. As far as spirituality, I do believe in one, like one mindset, one heart, one wavelength. It's just like there's a lot of things we have to get through in order to actually genuinely feel on that one wavelength which is like again what we started the podcast out with I think is like recognizing each other's differences and honoring them not deflecting them is how we're going to get to that point in my opinion um but I do like yeah I've let's just say I've taken some trips and (laughs) and that is definitely a spirituality that I found is like just the oneness of each other and this existence and like how beautiful it is to be this conscious yeah (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, that's an awesome thing. How did you get there from, I guess, where you started? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had to go through a lot of identity as well, like self-love, um, just like not reading on everything. I think that's like a very innate thing to do is like whenever you want to know about something, you just look up things and you read about it, which is amazing. But it's really hard to also understand what your heart actually wants. Mm -hmm. So I would research a lot about religions. Like Mm -hmm. I would really, 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 really research like Mm -hmm. where people ideas, people's ideas came from and how they originated. But I wasn't really thinking about how it felt about me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once I actually sat with myself and started meditating, um, it helped me a lot to realize that, uh, a lot of my anxieties came from a lot of self-projected stuff that also kept me in these boxes of religions that I was in, which I think a lot of people can relate to, especially on the level of Christianity. Um, I wouldn't say I was scared of not being Christian. It was just very safe. Like I wasn't like one of those where like I was in a Stockholm syndrome cause I wasn't, I was a youth minister at one point and I was actually a worship leader, (laughs) but I was never like fully in it. I just did it because I could do music. (laughs) So it was also like, anyways, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but it was really just really getting to know myself and also how colonialism plays into different religions is what deterred me from some religions. Let's just say that. And, uh, made me realize that 
whatever I find identity in, I can find it in each of these religions. It's just, again, like love is the answer. Like it really truly is. It's the one that's going to connect us all in that understanding of love. Um, and self love has really led me to this peaceful place that like my spirituality is just like looking at you and being like, you are me. I am you. Like Mm -hmm. we can, we can relate on the same levels of emotions. Maybe not like be that, exact in those emotions together but it's a human experience that we're all having and it's pretty chaotic but it's also beautiful (laughs) yeah so I guess also just getting out of that individualistic mindset like we mentioned earlier and just seeing getting those barriers and that fog and that mirage off of like wow we really are all connected um and tripping has helped Uh, specifically mushrooms. Mm. I have done studies with mushrooms for PTSD and uh, clinical depression, and Mm. it's helped me a ton, a ton with that. I don't know how you feel about it, but if anyone out there is curious, please do some research and talk to people that you know the source of the mushroom (laughs) and eat regular mushrooms. I mean, they're great. (laughs) They're amazing, Mm. but they are like a really big like medicine (laughs) that everyone should have an experience with if it's viable for your brain and like mental state. I'm not going to say that psychedelics are for everyone. I'm not going to be that person, but, um, if you can do it, but that helped me a lot, honestly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just breaking down barriers, man. We've got to do it in a lot of different ways and also meeting people where they are too. Yeah. Yeah. Going more into my evergreen questions. Yes. What is your definition of God? My definition of God is, so there's this mantra I really like. Mm. And again, it's the whole idea of like, I look at you and you see me, I, you see me and I see you. And it's the, you know, I bow to the divine within you. But also hum is one that I really, really like. And it's, I am that. Mm. And that's what makes me think of God is like, he just, he they (laughs) are just looking down and they're like, man, like that is me. Like this is, this is this. And I am that. And we are all it, you know, like that's just how I view God is this. It's a higher up energy that we can connect to once we get through this bullshit. Yeah. You know, like it's this karmic turn that I mentioned earlier, once again, that like we just have to go through these pains. It seems like I'm not OK. That sounds bad because it sounds like we were made to be in pain, which that's I don't think we are like that's a construed construed idea of like resilience is like we were made to endure this, mm-hmm. which I don't believe that necessarily because a lot of pain that is inflected is through pain that no one asked for, especially through oppressive systems and in racial justice. Um, but I do believe that, um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to keep burning these bridges in order to see them and we have to burn them together. But I believe in the end, God is a consciousness that believes in us all, whether we believe in it or not. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, one thing that, oh, mind. go on. No, 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 please. Oh, I was going (laughs) to say one thing that, uh, people don't know about me is Mm. that I am gender fluid. Yeah. So she, they, yeah, yeah. I should have said that at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next one. What is free will? Man. Okay. So I've, I've heard your idea of free will and I actually, it took me for a turn because you said you don't believe in it. And I was like, whoa, like that's kind of crazy. And I was like, (laughs) but then you explained it and I was like, oh, this actually makes sense. Um, so my idea of free will is honestly, I haven't like really got into this really big definition of it, but you made me think on it today. So it's really funny that you're bringing it up because I I don't think anything's controlling us, mm. but I, and I don't think everything happens for a reason. Mm. So it's just that idea of like, where do I meet that middle ground of like understanding where I can contrast, I mean, create this like contrast in my mind of like being able to actually apprehend this idea of like free will and what it actually means. Free will. I mean, it's hard to, to put that in a box yet. Mm. Cause it's so polarized, but it belongs to whatever individual makes it out to be. Um, free will is whatever feeling that person needs, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't really have an exact definition on that because again, since 
I am not spiritually strong based in anything. I think that it can just go so many ways. I'm so open to anything. Um, could I ask you if you've evolved in your definition or? Uh, it depends how long ago you've heard me answer that, but like the, uh, I forget the, there's a German philosopher who's kind of a stick in the mud, but, uh, um, man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills. Mm. And so you've done meditation. Yeah. And you are able to watch thoughts as they arise. Right. Out of your control. Yeah. I see you. (laughs) Okay. I see you. Like, no matter how, if I'm, if I'm conceptualizing this right, um, is what I've just gotten from you is what you just helped me project. Mm. (laughs) It's like, um, no matter how much will we have, things are bound to happen that are out of that. Is that what? It's more that like. We don't control the thoughts that arise. Okay. We we can manage them. We can control how we react to them. Right. But the the fact of the matter is is that like the mind is just going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so as as you are experiencing thoughts arise, mm-hmm. it's not so much that you can control what you're going to think about, but the response that you have to them mm. is what's in your control. But then you can extend that further and go, well, how am I to control my response to something if I'm also not in control of the fact that it appeared at all? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it ties into like the higher consciousness of like what God is, I guess. Yeah. Sure. If, if that is where you want to go with it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah at least that's what I'm, I'm, cons- yeah, yeah, that's exactly. what I've got going in my mind. But what also made me think of like, that's a really good point because, you know, everyone talks about how we're just like ball masses of energy mm. and how like in social situations, we obviously are constantly just like, um, jumping and bouncing off of each other. Mm-hmm. And like, we're also doing it while we're in our rooms and like our energies are bouncing off of other metaphysical things in the world. And we're just constantly getting this energy connection. So like, are those thoughts really ours? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a very interesting way to put that, that I've never yeah. thought of with free will. Cause I always think of like free will being like, well, if I want to go to the store, I'm going to go to the store. Like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I'm going to go to the store if I want to do it. I got a car, you know, yeah. like I got legs, I can walk, yeah. but it's also like, what about the things that aren't tangible, like mm. thoughts and like emotions? Sure. Yeah, like that's well, amazing. And, but even that is like, yeah, you want to go to the store. Why do you want to go to the store? Are you hungry? Are you in control of the fact right. that you're hungry? Yeah, like you can't control your body if, if it wants that. Yeah, I see that. And that's for like, okay, I'm not going to go in depth with this because that's another thing is like I actually like to research aliens <laughs> like a lot because I fully believe that aliens exist. Um, but like them putting thoughts in our head and like just controlling us and like doing a little mm-hmm. game thingy. Like people always talk about how like we're just a TV audience for them, which to an extent, I mean, sure. But I also don't think they'd keep us around this long just for entertainment. Like I'm sure there's some other thing going on there or like we are aliens and we're just not even accepting the fact that we are, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just aliens are insane. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts, f- food for thought. Yes. <laughs> Free will baby. Yeah. What do you think happens when we die? Man, I definitely have done my research of a DMT. So I know for a fact something's going to happen with my brain that snaps and like makes me think of my whole entire life in a flashback. Like for sure that's going to happen. But I also believe in reincarnation. I'm not going to say I am going to reincarnate in like one thing or another, but I also could just be like a speck of dust just like flying around. I've heard of multiple people having near-death experiences and like being dead for hours and like not wanting to come back because what they saw was just like so groundbreaking that like they just couldn't imagine that like that even happened to them and like floating in these like really big harmonious like clouds and like you see like quote unquote God come up and then like you're connected with all these different, um, what are they called? Um, a lot of people make, uh, things out of it um mandalas sorry yeah yeah. Yeah, and they see those everywhere i was gonna say fractals yes fractals too yeah and uh it's just very like kaleidoscope effect and they're just like wow it's beautiful and then they come back and they have to go through like severe therapy because like what they saw is like whoa like that's not reality at all like we what did we create like where did we go wrong you know but what do i personally believe honestly 
again, I'm up for anything. I believe there's life after death for sure. <laughs> and that like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like I can't stop it either way. So I plan to just kind of like enjoy the ride. But I think it also depends. Trigger warning. It depends on the death. Like whatever you go through. Like I think that that'll be like an experience that you have to get through in order to go through that next dimension. But also I think we're probably just going to jump to another parallel. <laughs> like, I mean, I believe in time travel to extent. I believe that we know what it is and that the government's withholding um, involvement of oppression and like, uh, what am I saying? Technological oppression. There we go. And like suppressing stuff from us uh, that have been around since like freaking 50s, I swear. So I know they, I think they believe in time travel. Like (laughs) I'm trying to time travel. Like let's see what's up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do you determine what good behavior is? So I don't really have a, okay. So with studying, I don't know if you, um, okay. So good and bad is like very subjective. Like I just, I, I tried to two years ago. Um, I was like, mm, I had a very strict definition and I was very like, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's really bad. And that's really good. Like, oh, yes, yes, yes. This is what can determine my life choices. And I will never, ever go in this route because that's bad. And then I realized I was like, man, like, that's kind of playing a micro God. And I just like, didn't really want to do that anymore. Mm. And then I started figuring out like what to say yes to and what to say no to. And then that's simply how I go about things is like, how does that feel? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that really help anyone? Or how does that so I guess that's my de- that's my determination of good and bad is like just seeing what the betterment of that is and like what the further goal is than like the immediate reaction mm-hmm. um, and just thinking harder on like how do we also harmonize this good and bad and honor both sides rather than just being completely one or the other, which I'm not going to say I'm always the best at <laughs> and being like the uh, level-headed person. Mm -hmm. But I do try to be like, okay, well, what's for the betterment, though, here? Like, what are we ignoring, which we can say is bad, but also, like, how can we get past this, which would be good. But we can also just, like, subject it to, like, yes or no. Are you going to say yes to that and allow it, or are you going to say no and just move on and, like, go into another little circle of your community Mm -hmm. or whatever, eco-chamber, whatever you want to call it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) How do we reduce the division between people? The reduce the division between people, I think, understanding and communication um, personally, because a lot of division that I see is also through classism personally. <laughs> and uh, what I've been taught through specifically with like mutual aid, a consistent message is connect with people, ask people genuinely what they need and what they want. It's fine to want things. What do you want? Like the society has told us that if people are in poverty, you can't want things. You can want things like you're a human too. Like, do you want a hot shower? Let's get you a hot shower. <laughs> and beyond that, do you want to go to a movie? Let's get you a movie, dude. Like anyways, um, Um, I think that communication and understanding will do a lot of good for us on so many levels. I think that can bridge a gap that a lot of uh, this colonized perspective just hasn't been able to break down yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say the yes and no was from Ramdas. I was trying to think of the actual yogi that I because I listened to Ramdas like three years ago and it changed my life. I love him. (laughs) So sad that he passed away. But, you know, he had a peaceful life like, oh, he he was fine in Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Trying to be mindful of the time. So let's see. Let's jump to what do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? Um, hopefully I've, okay. I, what I think is what I hope. So (laughs) what I hope is, um, unity and like, so when I say I'm a anarcho-communist, I do believe in anarchy as far as environment. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to see, honestly, like, (laughs) no more state parks and like exploitation of native land and indigenous land in general. Um, I'd like to see things go back to the way that they were to extents um, that people do have genuine free will (laughs) and that we don't have to live in a society to where we have to take jobs on that don't have benefits and that we have health insurance that literally put people in hospitals and like that insurance doesn't stick up for us and that exploit people, obviously, that are already hurting. That's what I'd like to see. 
Um, and also just like, <laughs> obviously, I, I'm not a law and order person. I don't believe in the government nor police. Um, but I'd like to see if it if it was an ideal world to see better laws to protect genuine people um, and not just the rich and powerful. Yeah. Um, and I don't believe in taxing the rich, so I'm not going to say tax the rich, but uh, to see that money go places that it actually should um, and not just taken for exploitation of these missions. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, then what makes you or what are you optimistic about for our future? What am I optimistic about that no matter what? Joy and happiness will always be here. Um, <laughs> that's one thing I always have to ground myself in is that like no matter what the bullshit is going on around me that I can in the end go home and like snuggle my dog Doobie and like just love him and like still see happiness and like still have that in my heart wherever I go again like I forget the quote. I'm, I, I need to know who this was, but they told me that Well, they didn't tell me I read this. <laughs> that it's fine to be angry but don't hold on to the bitterness because the bitterness will eat you alive but it's okay to hold anger because that's what will wield whatever you need to want to change in the world and I believe again with the polars with anger comes happiness and that I believe in that that's what I'm optimistic about that we've always been able to dance through the hardships and sing together and come in unity to some extent or to the other and that's what I'm hopeful for is that in the end we do once we break down those barriers see that we are all that we have and we just have to go to that point yeah yeah cool a <laughs> uh, few more for you what makes you content what makes me content <sighs> digging my hands in the dirt <laughs> honestly and singing music like no one's watching that's what makes me content and not having a standard job that I have to be sick for and put my life at risk right now, even though I'm in a very privileged position to say that, that's what makes me content is the fact that I know that I'm working towards something that will be sustainable for me and the missions that I believe in. Yeah, I feel I feel very content when I think about that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. When will you be satisfied? Man, I don't think I ever will. Honestly, in this lifetime, I don't think I'll ever be completely satisfied with patriarchy. It doesn't seem like it's slowing down, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. What makes me satisfied is calling those things out, though, and holding people accountable, even if they don't want to be. Um, and I'm not going to say the satisfaction isn't what they give me, but what I give myself um, and being able to sleep at night, knowing that I am doing my best. And that I can sit in that satisfaction of like, you know what? You can do what you got to do. I'm not going to try and like force you to do anything you're not ready for necessarily. But also like I can sleep just fine at night knowing that I'm doing my best <laughs> and I'm going to keep fighting the next day, if not harder. So that gives me satisfaction to know that I'm living my truth. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Last two. What advice do you have for people in general? Um... Uh, that it's okay to be sad and to not always do your best and just whatever you want to do in life, just do it. I hear so many people talk about things they want to do, but like they think that this capitalist society is going to like totally destroy their ideas that they never could make it tangible, whether it's a dream or a simple trip or even a vacation on a weekend. Like I hear parents specifically be like, I could never do that because of my work. And I'm like, man, we live in this, uh, we live in a society, right? <laughs> But uh, just do it. Like, I know that a lot of people say whatever you want, you're going to get it in the end if you want it that bad. But I really do believe that. I know that that could also be a privileged mindset to have. But I do believe in the power of magic and magic and words and the magic and just wanting to, like, create things into existence. And if you really do put enough energy towards something, just go and do it. Live your dreams. Go renovate that bus. Like, go live on that farm. Like, go on that tour. Whatever you want to do, like, just do do it, man. Like YOLO. I know it's <laughs> a really cringe statement to make, but it's so true, man. Like you're going to grow up and be like, man, I, I should never had the opportunity. I just should have done it. And you, you should do it right now. Go and do it. Get up, get off this podcast. <laughs> Go do it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Last one, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? Ooh, cake, <laughs> carrot cake. Awesome. I love carrot cake. Pie? Mm, I think of a cookie pie, but I don't even think that's, that's a cookie cake. So like, no. Cake. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Cake all the way. 
Team cake. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you and your things? Oh, man. Um, I'm kind of on the DL right now. Um, but for now, me oh my OKC is where I post majority of my stuff. Um, this is Santiago chiming in to update that Megan Wiggins is now under veggie underscore Casanova. So that is V-E-G-G-I-E underscore Casanova. And just go look up Uprooted and Rising Indian Territory. I do stuff with them. You should plug in with them anyways. And then on Facebook, I mean, I don't really get on there that much, but my name's Megan Wiggins. You can look me up if you want. But for right now, just me on my OKC. Yeah, and it's on Instagram. I'll be posting other music endeavors on there. So you can plug into that. Yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for doing this with me. This yeah, really fun. this is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Santiago Ramones. And I'm Megan Wiggins. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. I have an EP, a short album, that is streaming everywhere right now. It's called Soundbites. The music you're hearing right now is from Soundbites. Listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you stream music, or buy it on Bandcamp, because a single purchase is the monetary equivalent of streaming it all day, every day, for a year. I'm also working on another album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, you can buy my music, or you can support me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Santiago Ramones. Follow me on Instagram to stay up to date with all the stuff that I'm doing, both at bit.depth and at Santiago Ramones Music. There's also a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. Go to SantiagoRamones.com slash Discord to join. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews by saying how much you like the podcast, and tell your friends about it. I really couldn't be doing this without you, and I am so very grateful to continue doing BitDepth for this long. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>